us have giants in our lives that control us. Today, we'll be looking at a giant called worry and how we can conquer this giant. This message is the seventh in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Worry, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Everybody said again, amen. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we continue our series together entitled Gigantic. I want to talk this, this weekend about a giant called worry. We've been look, using the story of David and Goliath as an illustration for our own lives, how David uh, conquered Goliath by the help and grace of Almighty God, how he slayed this giant, and how all of us have giants in our lives that need to be slain. Sometimes those giants are external things we deal with, but a lot of times those giants are inside of us. We actually took four weeks talking about the giant called pain, pain in your soul, heartbrokenness, things that happen inside you and me that sometimes it's tough to get past, and God comes along and helps to heal us on the inside. And if you missed that part of the series, I would really encourage you to get those four weeks. For four weeks, we talked about how do you get past your personal pain? And then for the last two weekends, we've talked about anger. How do you conquer and overcome this giant called anger? And we looked at the various things the Bible says to us about how to do that. And then for this weekend and then the weekend following James being with us, uh, we're going to continue the series talking about a giant called worry. Now, I would submit to you today that if you have never had to deal with soul pain, which is very unlikely, most of us do, and if you've never had to deal with anger, which, again, is highly unlikely because all of us have to deal with that from time to time, I would guarantee that all of us have to deal with worry. There's not a single person here that you would not have to say that at some point in time you struggle with overcoming, dealing with worries in your life. In fact, let me ask you a question. How many of you are, let's be really honest, my hand's going up on this one. How many of you are battling some worry about something right now in your life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Look at that. It's about 100% of us. Something that you're worried about even in this moment. And what I want to do is talk to you this weekend and the following weekend uh, after James is here. By the way, make sure you're here next weekend. Don't you miss James Brown. He is incredible. Not only is he a great uh, sportscaster, but he has a great message to, to share with us. So don't miss that. But then the following week, I'm going to talk about the second part of this message. But today, I'm going to give you two things, two things only that will help you to begin this process of learning how to conquer a giant called, a giant called worry. Now, before we start today, let me ask you the, another question, and I, this is not a response for, for, from you, but in your own mind, I want you now to identify very specifically, what are you worried about? I ask you, are you worried about something, and many of you, in fact, most of you raised your hand and said, yes, right now there's something you're probably worrying about, but now I would ask you, what is that thing? What is the concern that you're carrying with you in your life right now? What is the worry that is affecting you in this very moment? And I want you to sort of keep that in a compartment as we go through today's message, and we'll look and see what the Bible has to say about how to deal with it. The first thing for our message today, what do we do with anger? What do we do with worry? We deal with it by beginning to understand that worry is an enemy. Worry is an enemy. You have to see worry as an enemy in your life. Now, this is something we don't normally grasp, because generally when you talk about worry, you don't think of it necessarily as an enemy. You might think of it as a nuisance. You might think of it as something that's sort of normal. Everybody deals with worry, and certainly everybody does. But according to the Bible, worry is not just a nuisance. Worry is not just something that is normal. Worry is actually a spiritual enemy that you and I need to fight and overcome by the principles of God's Word. Now, an enemy is simply this, an adversary, an oppositional force. 
An enemy is something or someone that wants to do you harm, someone that wants to destroy you in some way. It is the antagonist of your life. And so worry is an antagonist to us. It is something that comes along that wants to harm us and to defeat us and to destroy us. Worry is an enemy. As I was thinking about worry and applying it in my own life, because I, just like you, have to deal with worry from time to time, and I started thinking about, what does worry do to me? When I get worried, what happens in my own life? And as I was preparing this message, I actually wrote down seven things that worry does to me, and maybe you can kind of come into my world just for a moment and see if some of my experience is your experience. The first thing that I notice about worry is as soon as I start worrying, my peace and joy go away. How about you? Worry comes in, and maybe I could have been very peaceful just a moment before, and this little thought of worry sneaks in, and before long, all my peace is gone. I could have been having a really joyous day, and just that little worry, a phone call that comes up, or a comment somebody makes, or something that comes into my mind, robs me there in that moment of my joy. And then it also reduces my productivity. I found out that during the day, if I'm doing good, I'm working long, getting stuff done, and then a little worry thought comes in before long, I'm, I'm not as productive as I was was before because there is this draining of energy. It's beginning to siphon off some of my resources. And it causes me to, to, to get engaged in bad actions, not necessarily sinful actions, but bad decisions. I don't make good decisions when I'm worried. Anytime you're afraid or worried, you begin to react to things and you start making decisions on the basis sometimes of things that aren't even real. And those thoughts come into your mind and it distorts your reality. You begin to believe what you're worried about as being true. Now, if you'll think back on your life, how many of you could say that there have been times that you've worried about stuff that never actually happened, right? And you, if you could get those hours back, say, wow, I spent so much time worrying about this, and I built this thing up in my mind, and I con- was concerned about it, and it never became reality, but while you were going through it, it was reality to you, and your emotions were hijacked by it. Let me give you an illustration of this. Have you ever had something happen with your body, maybe some spot on your body or some little lump somewhere or maybe some symptom that you had and you thought, oh my goodness, I wonder what this is. I've got to find out. I think I'm sick. And so you go to the internet and you begin, you're laughing because you've done it, haven't you? Okay. You start looking up all these different diseases and you, oh, that's, I got that. Yeah. Ooh, I got that too. Wow. Oh my goodness. I've got nine out of 10 of those things. Okay. And by the time you're done researching what you believe to be your disease, I mean, you got a doctor's appointment the next day, you run, and doctor, I have, and he says, no, you don't, you have internetitis, okay. You built something up in your mind that's not even true, it distorts and twists your reality, hijacks your emotions, and here's the ultimate thing that happens to you when you're worried, it actually will restrict your forward progress and your momentum, and that's why Satan uses it as a weapon. Because if he can get you worried, he actually shuts you down. If he can build fear into your life, he shuts you down. And you don't make any progress in a forward momentum way. And whatever momentum you have is taken away from you. Now, Jesus Christ himself talked a lot about worry. In fact, he talked very specifically about the choking effect of worry. In Mark chapter 4, in just a moment, I'm going to read you some verses from that chapter, but let me tell you a little bit about what's going on here so you understand the verses when I read them to you. This is one of Jesus' parables. It's called the parable of the sower. 
In the parable of the sower, Jesus said there was a sower that went out to sow seed. The seed represents the Word of God. And he sowed the seed, the sower did, into certain types of soil. And in this parable, there are four types of soil that are mentioned. The soil represents the heart. So the seed is the Word, the soil is the heart. Say that with me. The seed is the Word, the soil is the heart. And there was two of you. Let's say everybody else together. Here we go. The seed is the Word, the soil is the heart. You have to understand that to understand the parable. If you don't get that, the parable will not make any sense to you. So the, the sower goes out and he sows the seed and he sows it, that's the Word, into the soil, which is the heart, the hearts of men. And there are four types of soil And verse number 7 describes one of those soil conditions. Other seed, he was talking here about the third seed that had been sown. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Jesus said there's this, this sower that went out, sowed some seed. It landed in some soil, good soil, but as it grew up, weeds grew up with it and thorns grew up with it. And ultimately what happened was the thorns and the, the weeds began to choke out the plant so that it was not fruitful. Now, if you've ever gardened, you understand this. When you plant a garden, you till up the soil, you get it all ready for the seed to to be received. You plant the seed in the soil, cover it up, water it, wait for the plant to come up. But I've noticed something, as you have if you're a gardener, not only does the plant come up, but the weeds come up too. And it's interesting, you don't have to do anything to get weeds to grow. You're doing everything possible to get that little plant to grow, but the weeds just pop up and thrive. And what you have to do is something called cultivation. And cultivation means that you go and pull those weeds out. Because if you don't pull the weeds out of your garden, those weeds are going to choke out that plant that's trying to produce fruit. Jesus said, that's your imagery. That's your picture. That's what I want you to understand about this type of soil. And then in verses 18 and 19, Jesus defines for us what is exactly he's talking exactly he's talking about. Notice these words, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, the seed is the word, but the, notice the next word there, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus said, let me tell you what this is all about. It's like a person that gets God's word inside of their heart and it starts growing and it's moving to a place of bearing fruit. But at the same time, they allow weeds to grow in around it. And one of those weeds is the weed of worry. And that weed of worry begins to grow around that beautiful little plant. And before long, the weed of worry chokes out that plant. And the plant that could have borne some good fruit for the kingdom of God does not bear fruit because it's choked. That word choked is an extremely important word to grasp. In the Greek language, as the original language of the New Testament, that word choke literally means this. It means to press around and to suffocate. We know what that's like in terms of just our use of the word choke. But it also means this. It means to drown. It means to put under water and to keep someone from receiving proper air. Now, I think you understand what that feels like if you've ever been placed in a swimming pool or a lake somewhere and somebody's playing around with you and they push your head underwater and you're wanting air so desperately, you're doing everything you possibly can to get back to the surface again while your air supply is being choked out. And that's exactly what worry does to you and me. It strangles us. It gets its paws, if you will, around your spiritual neck and begins to choke and it begins to strangle. It pushes your head underwater so 
so to speak, and holds you there, and you're wondering, how will I ever make it? Jesus said, worry is a choking thing in your life. And that's why Jesus warns us about it in a number of different places. Notice some verses that I'll give you from Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, Jesus says this, I tell you, do not what? Worry. Matthew 6, 28. And why do you worry? Matthew 6, 31. So do not Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not, there we see multiple times in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Why don't we say it together? Do not worry. That was a command given to us by Jesus. Now, had we read a verse that said, do not lie, we would have said, oh, I understand that, right? Or a verse that said, do not commit adultery. Oh, yeah, I understand that. Or do not steal. We would understand those things as being wrong or sinful. But Jesus here, although he does certainly condemn the things I just mentioned, but here Jesus says, do not worry. So he's giving us a command, an instruction, an encouragement, but also a command. He's reminding us that Worry is something that is a spiritual enemy in your life. He says, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't allow that enemy to have access to your life because of its effect upon you. Even in the New Testament apostles, as they wrote the epistles for us, reminded us of this very important fact of avoiding worry in our lives. Notice Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about, what's the next word there? The Living Bible says, don't worry about anything. Say it with me. Don't worry about anything. Now, anything is a big word, isn't it? Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Read this one with me. Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Here the Scripture says, the Apostle Peter says, give him, let him have all your worries and all of your cares. Why? Because worry is an enemy, and in many ways it can, it can become a god in your life by controlling you, your actions, your behavior. As I was preparing for this message, I happened to read a quote by Corrie ten Boom, many of you perhaps don't know this lady, she's passed on and gone to heaven now, but she's a a great writer, a great Christian who went through a lot during the time of the Holocaust, and and she, uh, she, she made this statement about worry that I wanted to give you today because I thought it was so profound. Listen to the quote from Corrie ten Boom, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. Let me read that for you again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. See, the reality is, is that tomorrow, in, the, in your tomorrows, there will be some sorrows. There are going to be some times that you're going to cry. Life deals us some blows along the way, and there are moments that we're going to spend with our heads in the pillows crying and crying out to God and crying with pain. And worry will not save you from your sorrows. But what worry does is it robs today. It empties you of today's strength. So worry robs you of the very thing that you need for your today and in preparation for your tomorrow. So the first thing to conquer worry is you and I must see it as an enemy, not just as a nuisance, not just as normal, but we must see it as an 
enemy. Here's your second point today and the only other point that I'm going to give you this weekend. If you're going to overcome worry, you have to know God as your father and as your friend. You must know God as your father and as your friend. Could I ask you to circle the word know there? K-N-O-W, know. In our culture, especially the Western culture, when we think about knowledge, knowing something, we think academically. Oh yeah, I went to school and I learned something. I got knowledge about this particular subject matter. And while that word is certainly used in the Bible, the Bible more explicitly and more commonly uses a word both in the Hebrew and the Greek for know that goes much deeper than that. It's not a know that happens here in the head. It is a know that happens down in the heart. It's a know that says, I, I'm convinced of something. I know something experientially. I know something that goes beyond just what I compute in my mind. It's not just an academic fact to me. It's not just a theological treatise to me. It's not just information that is in my head, but it is a revelation that is in my heart. I know this because I know that I know that I know that God is my Father and God is my friend. And if you and I, amen, if you and are going to overcome worry there must be this I know that I know that I know that I know not here but down here that my that my God is my father and he is my friend that's how you conquer worry you know who he is and you know he's there to help you see when you're in a battle you need to know who your allies are when you're in a battle, you need to know who you can call on for help in the midst of the battle. And God says, I am your father and I'm your friend. And when worry comes in like a flood, I'm there to raise up a standard against it in your life. And God doesn't only tell us in his word not to worry, but he tells us why we shouldn't worry and shows us how we are not to worry. Listen to Jesus' words back in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. So do not worry. We read that a moment ago, saying... What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Let me stop there for a moment. Pagans refers to those who have no relationship with God, don't have a personal relationship with God. And Jesus said, don't spend your time, your energy, worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. That is the provision of your life, because you're... That's what the pagans, people that don't know God, spend all their time and energy worried about stuff like that. And then he says this, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He says, God knows what you need. Now, here's an important thing to remember. If God knows what you need, don't worry about the thing God knows about. Amen? If he knows about it, that means you don't have to worry about it. I need to say that again. If God knows about it, it means that you don't need to worry about why are you worrying about things that God knows about he said I've got it I know about this thing you don't need to worry because I know it I have it in my hand it's on my radar I'm aware of this then he says in verse 33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well Jesus said look pay attention understand something the father knows everything that you need in your life and here's what you do don't concern yourself with what you need concern yourself with simply giving God everything living your life for him Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and know this, everything else will be taken care of. I'll take care of it, God says. Now, 
Do we have responsibilities? Of course, and we'll talk more about that later in this series. But our primary responsibility is to trust Him as our Father and as our friend. Listen to Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission, what we're supposed to be doing, telling other people about Jesus, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. But here's what I wanted you to note here. Jesus said, and surely, what? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Folks, let me tell you something. One of the greatest things that will help you to overcome worry is to know who's with you. If you know that he's with you, you know that you have an ally with you in every battle. You've got your big brother with you. You've got someone that's there to stand up for you. Not too long ago, I took uh, my two grandsons, uh, Elijah and Levi, uh, over to Montgomery Mall. And, uh, of course, when they go to Montgomery Mall with me, they don't want to go to any stores, which is fine with me, by the way. Okay. But they want to go to the indoor play area, you know, the little play area that they have there. And so I said, okay, guys, Grandma's going to go do some shopping. Come on, I'll take you down to the, to the playground. We'll have some nice fun down there. And so I, I just, they took their shoes off, went out and started playing. I'm just kind of watching them while they're playing. And I don't know if, you, if you've not seen my grandsons, one is six and one is four, but, and the youngest one, four, Levi, is, is a little guy. He's, not, he's, he's still working his way up in terms of height. He's a little bitty guy, but he is feisty, praise God, okay? He's got some feistiness to him. But he crawled up on top of one of the, one of the uh, little playthings there, some kind of animal that he crawled on top of, and some big kid comes over to try to push him off, Okay? And I see that Elijah, who is a six-year-old brother, I see it just from a distance. I said, I'm going to watch and see what happens here, okay? Because first of all, I'm not worried about Levi because he can take care of himself. He's going to be all right, okay? But I want to see what Elijah does. I really was more interested in Elijah than I was Levi. And what I noticed was I noticed an instinctual thing that as soon as Elijah realized that somebody was coming after his brother, guess what happened? He showed up on the scene, mighty man, okay? okay? Don't you push my brother around. He stood up for his little brother. Now, when the other guy went away, Elijah pushes him off, and he gets up there, you know, so it's okay for him to do, okay? But you got the point, okay? There's something instinct. Why? It's family, right? And I want you to know, you're family, you got a father, and when he sees you going through trouble, he sees you in a situation, he sees you being bullied by the stuff of life, Father God says, I'm going to show up in your life. I'm your father, and I'm your friend. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know, here's that word again, we know that all things work for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Paul writes and says, you've got to know this, that whatever you're facing right now in your life, as dark as it might seem, seem, you need to know that at the end it's going to be good. That all things are working together for the good of them that love God. Those are called according to His purpose. He adds to it in verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced. There's that knowing against. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, there's a lot of stuff there. Death, life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, anything else, all creation, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. 
That's, a, that's, battle, that's battle material against worry. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to, his, to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. That's another sermon for another day. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence. We know that we know that we know. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? See, folks, when you know and believe the promises of God, worry flees from your life. I would like to say that I am 100% there, but I'm not. There are times in my life that worry comes in and the enemy comes in through worry as it does for all of us. And I'm learning that when I get the promise inside of me, the promise will deal with the worry. Here's an illustration from my own life that might help you. When I was seven years of age, I accepted Jesus into my heart and life as Lord and Savior. I was saved then, baptized at seven years of age. But for the next two or three years, on and off, I would struggle with being sure of whether I was saved or not. And I would wonder sometimes when I would go to bed at night, you know, if I die, am I, am I going to go to heaven when I die? And we would always pray that prayer now, lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's not a good prayer to pray when you're a kid. <laughs> if I should die before I wake, okay? And I'm thinking many times at night, laying in bed as a little kid, wondering if I die, am I going to go to heaven? Do I, am I really saved? I'll never forget when I was about nine or ten years of age, I can almost take you, could take you to the place where it happened, where I knelt down with a pastor. He actually stood with me in the parking lot of a, of a church my dad was pastoring at the time, and, and, uh, and, and I was crying. I had tears in my eyes, and I went up to him because I just wanted, he was a guest pastor we'd had in for revival services, and so I didn't want to ask my dad because he'd prayed with me before, so I went to this guest pastor. I said, Pastor, can I talk to you for a moment? Again, I'm nine or ten years of age. And I said, I'm worried about whether I'm really saved or not. And that pastor knelt down with me there in that parking lot, and he opened up his Bible to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And he read it to me, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He said, son, do you believe that? Have you confessed Jesus with your mouth? And do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Have you opened your life to Jesus? Have you done what the Bible says to do? Okay. And I said, yes, sir, I, I did that. I prayed that prayer. I've, I've asked Jesus Christ in my life. I believe all that it says right there. He says, then on the authority of God's word, you never have to worry again whether you're saved because God said you're saved. And I want to tell you that from that day forward, I have never, since that day, I've never had one worry about whether I was saved or not. I never had a sleepless night to this day. I have no concern about whether I'm, why? Because I know what the Bible says. There's a promise that's been given to me, and that promise is not up here. Where is it? It's down here. And what I want you to see is that when you get the promise of God in your heart, that promise of God for whatever circumstance you're facing drives the worry away. Why? Because you know what God said about you. You know what God said about your circumstance. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. You know what God said. 
And God said, I'm working everything together for the good of those that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. And neither height nor depth or life or death or anything else will be able to separate you from the love of God. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And yes, my God will supply all your needs through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And God will never leave you nor forsake you. Those promises get on the inside of you. And it causes worry to flee. So what I wanted to do for a moment, a very brief moment, is to tell you six things that God has promised you. God's promised you His providence. He's promised to go before you. He'll get there before you do, and He's paved the way for you. He's promised you His power, that when you feel weak, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. He's promised you His provision. He's promised, though I promise you, God says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. God has promised you his presence. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God has promised you his protection over your life as you trust in him and walk with him. He's promised productivity for your life, that your life will have meaning and value, that you will do something that's meaningful with your life, that will leave a legacy as you follow him. God has promised you all of these things, and God wants you to grab hold of these promises. And instead of living in worry, God wants you to live in the atmosphere of his peace, the atmosphere of his promises. See, you're breathing an atmosphere in your life. You're living either in an atmosphere of worry and fear and you're breathing in worry and fear or you're living, living, living in an atmosphere of the promises of God and faith and trust in God. And God says, I want you to move or change atmospheres. I want you to move from the atmosphere of worry and fear over into the atmosphere of faith and the promises of my word. Begin to breathe them in and believe them not just in your head but grab hold of them in your heart. And when you do, worry flees. I want to conclude by one passage of Scripture. I'm going to ask you to read it with me. It's, the, it's again the words of Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 27. Let's read together. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Would you please underline that last sentence? Do not let. Don't allow it. Make a choice. You're going to shut the door to it. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Who said that? Jesus said it. And if Jesus Christ were here today, and indeed he is, if he was physically here today and could speak and hopefully I'm speaking in his behalf for your blessing today. Jesus would say to you, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. As we started the message today, I ask you, what are you worried about? I ask you, hey, in a little compartment of your mind, just go ahead and put that list there. What what are you worried about? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is in your mind to go and retrieve that list. Because we're going to do something with that list today. We're going to take that list of our worries and we're going to give it to God. And today is your moment, your time to say, okay, I'm going to give a worry, a specific worry to God. Again, I'm going to ask that if you have a specific worry or worries that are affecting your life right now, robbing you of peace and joy and affecting you in other ways, that you know you need to give this worry to God. Would you just raise your hand again, just lift it up high, say, you know, that's me. I got something I need to give to God. 
Fantastic. Now look, look, oh, keep your hand up for a moment. Look around, okay? God's big enough to handle every one of these, okay? Do you believe that? Come on, say amen. amen. God is big enough to handle every, you can put your hands down now. God is big enough to handle every one of these. Well, wow, there's so many problems in the world. Well, yeah, there are a lot of problems in the world. There's a big God. See, God's not overwhelmed with problems. There's never been a time that God's in, oh my goodness, there are way too many problems. What am I going to do? Oh my goodness, oh, panic. Heaven, heaven has never had a panic attack. Heaven has never had a recession. Heaven has never had a downturn in its economy or its resources. Why? Because God is there, the all-sufficient God. And so today what I want us to do in these next few moments is for us to take our worries and give them to God. The songwriter said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me as we take our cares to God in prayer? Jesus, you said in your word that we're not to worry. You said that we're not to let our hearts be troubled and we're not to be afraid. And yet, Lord, we have to confess to you this morning that in many areas of our life we are worried, we are afraid. And there are all kind of worries and fears in this room. We all have them, God. And first of all, today we agree with you that these worries are enemies. We, we don't want them to be a part of our lives. We want to bring our worries and cares and give them to you, to put them in your hands, to say, God, we trust you with the needs of our life, the pains of our life, the things that we're facing, the mountains that are too big for us. And so right now I pray for every person, God. I ask it in this moment that you would grant them the grace to release their concerns to you, to simply let go of that and say, God, I am giving this thing to you today. And right where you are, would you right now just tell God what you're giving. Just whisper that prayer out, God, I'm giving you this worry. Just name it. Don't, don't hold it back. Just name what you're giving him. Maybe it's a concern about a, a relationship or a financial situation or a job situation or a business situation or a health situation, whatever it is, a child, whatever it might be, just give it to God. God, I'm giving you this worry. Now, Lord, from this room today, we're offering up to you our worries and our cares. We cast them over on you, God. We pray that in this moment that you would let your peace rule and reign on our lives. I pray that every person here would sense and know that you're for them and not against them, that you're working things together for their good, not for their harm or for their evil. And I pray that today a peace would come into our hearts that will be a peace that will remain. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.